Fred Ricciani of TSC. I have right here on the line a very special guest. He is one of the best to ever do it. He is a legendary offensive tackle. He is a Seattle Seahawks legend. He is a pro football Hall of Famer. He's also an entrepreneur as well and beloved in the Seattle community. We're talking to the legendary Walter Jones right here on TSC. Walter, how's it going? Oh, man, it's going good, man. How you doing? Doing all right. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. You're you're a pretty busy guy these days, and how's everything going in life after football? Uh, everything's going good, man. Uh, I think the cool thing is about it that uh, my kids uh, have graduated from high school, so I, I, you know, throughout my retirement, you know, I got a chance to to witness my kids through high school, like from ninth grade to they graduated from high school. So I thought that was a pretty cool situation to, to be able to share that, you know, when you're playing football when they're born and stuff. So you really don't get a chance to share a lot of stuff. You know, you have your moments, but you really don't get a chance to, to be to be able to be a parent. So for me, I thought that the last 10 years been awesome uh, that I have got a chance to, to be a parent or to watch my kids you know, turn into a young adult. So that's totally been cool for me. And I've been doing a little TV stuff, man. Uh, you know, just, just uh, doing some radio stuff, just kind of being a voice for the fans. A lot of times fans want to hear from players and see what their aspect is of, of watching the game. So I, I have a great time of doing that and, you know, putting my, my energy into my clothesline, uh, the B2 EDI, uh, the best to ever do it. Kind of took that, what you said, how you start the show and, kind of put that in a clothes brand. So just to kind of tell people to whatever you do in life to be the best at it, you know, no matter what you're doing as a job, if you love it, you know, go out and, and be the best at doing it. For sure. Is, is it kind of weird though now to go from being a player to media? Because, you know, on one hand, it's, it's a great gig and you have the perspective of being a Hall of Fame player. But I'm sure when you were playing, there were times when media, whether it be former players or analysts, said some things that maybe you didn't comply with. Oh, definitely. I totally understand. I think from, from, from day one, uh, I, re- I reminded them, I reminded myself that I'm a player first. I'm always going to uh, be on the player side. So my job is not here to, to, to tell a guy he should be playing or nothing like that. My job is to analyze them. And, you know, if you have a bad game, you have a bad game. But it's not my job to say a guy shouldn't be on the team or should get this, this, because that's someone's livelihood that you mess with someone's family. So, I totally understand from that perspective of, oh, you know, when I came to the league, it was all about newspaper. It wasn't as, as big as it is now with the radio, with Twitter, with all this social uh, media stuff now that people can hear things that they try their best to get away from it. They can't get away from it. So for me, I just try to make sure that I respect the players and, and, and respect what they do every day. You know, tough games can happen, but these guys are professionals and they put a lot of work into it to get to this point of their career. So that's not my job to, to, to say what and what a player should be playing or not playing. How relieved are you to see Russell Wilson remain a Seahawk? Because before he signed that huge contract extension, there were rumors he might get traded to the Giants. You know, he's given him a certain deadline. I mean, it was it was kind of crunch time. And then at the 11th hour, ended up signing a contract. And it looks like for the foreseeable future, he's going to be a Seahawk maybe for life. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. I think it's cool. I kind of, you set your quarterback up and and you know in this league you got to have a, a bona fide quarterback that can go out there and play football, and this is a quarterback league. So you look at the good teams, the good teams always have their quarterback. So I think what Seattle did was, was awesome. Now you can you can build around Russell, or you can, you know, if you're still going you know, Pete Carroll is all about defense, so you can still build around your defense. But now you can build your defense back up 
and you got your quarterback for the next what six or seven years. So I think that's good for the uh, uh, that's good for the fans because you know what you get from Russell Wilson. You know that you know these quarterbacks that play a long time in one system or play with one organization, they tend to be consistent. So you know that all Russell's going to do is get better as he continues to keep playing. In some ways, do you think he's kind of underrated? You know, he's won a, t- a title before. Yeah, I always feel like he still has to keep proving himself. I, I think in this game, you have to. Every year, you have to. It's all about what you have done for me lately. And I, I know the fans are happy that he didn't brought a Super Bowl to the city. But still, again, it's all about what you do in the playoffs. And I think he has proven that he can make plays in the playoffs. And, and I think that's what he want to do every year. You, you listen to him and I think he's preparing himself for every year. Every year is a different year. So this year, he got to be better than last year. So I think now that he's he's secure, now he can go out there and play at his full potential. And and, and they putting the ball in his hand. That's going to be a, a big story, I think, to see how much, you know, they're going to let him go out there and play his, his form of his way of playing football. So it, it's something to see. And But we know that this team is built on running the ball and playing good defense. And for you to have Russell out there that can go out there and win a game for you, you're going to definitely need that in the, in the long football season. Does it annoy you that we're still getting questions about quarterbacks coming in and their height and all that jazz when, you've, when we've already seen the success of Russell Wilson and Drew Brees? <laughs> you know, I think it's always going to be, you know, it's always going to be a, a topic of discussion because you always wonder how you're going to have plays set up for a guy that that short, you know, you got linemen that are 6'5 and taller, can he see over the line, but I think what Drew Brees and Ross have shown that you can you can find alleys, and you know you still. Uh, I think they, those those smaller quarterbacks understand how defense is going to try to stop them. Is you know the uh, the best way you do it is you you try to attack him up the middle, and you know as a, as a good quarterback you have to know that, and you have to prepare yourself for that during the season. And I think what Russell and Drew Brees have done is awesome, and it shows that hey, no matter what people say, if this is your dream. You put everything you got into it, you can definitely uh, make it to, to, to the pro level. Why do you think so many teams right now, Seahawks included, Giants being being another team, have had a lot of o- offensive line issues over the years? I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's it's not easy you know, to draft or sign a great player that can that can mesh with the line and protect the quarterback, but I feel like there's been kind of like an epidemic of, of teams that are getting it wrong or having trouble finding the, the right combination. Uh, it, it's just tough, man. I think it's hard to, to put five guys together that can collect on, on on every situation in the game. And once you do have that, you know, you look at the great teams. I think uh, I think Seattle have probably figured out, you know, I think you have to bring an uh, uh, offensive-minded coach too, you know, offensive line coach minded guys that have been in the fire, have understood how to, to, to put five guys together, understand everything that those guys can do and what they cannot do. And, and, and that's what you have to do. And it's a hit and miss every year. But once you get those five guys, you want to keep those guys together because you can you can see with any, any team every year, they offensively they kind of start out slow because the offensive line, everybody got to get on the same page. On defense, you can literally just run around and make plays, but on offense, especially the offensive line, you definitely have to you have to play together and, and come together as a team, and you want to hold those guys together for a long time. And you see the great teams that you look how long these guys have been playing together. And I think that's what you have to do with offensive linemen. It's a tough situation because now with these these uh, college teams, where some of these guys have never gotten a, in a three point stand. So, and I think in a way that you know the, the the pros are trying to get to that type of ball play, but still again, you can see you can see 
at this point now that you still got to put your hands in the dirt and play football. Nine-time Pro Bowler, played your whole career with the Seattle Seahawks, helped them go to a, a Super Bowl against the Steelers. And legend has it you gave up only 23 sacks in your career. When you were accomplishing all these great things, I mean, were you kind of aware in the back of your mind, like, okay, I've only given up, you know, one sack up to this point, two sacks up to this point. Like, how did, as a great player, like, how did you approach it day by day and game by game? I just try to get better every year, man. I think as, as, as players, I think they're what you do. Uh, after every season, you sit down with your, your, your position coach and they go through your, your season. And, you know, most of it is, has been a great job, but there's always stuff that you can work on. And for alignment, there's, there's not a lot of stats that you can make. You can, your quarterback can throw for a lot of yards or running back and run, but there's really no stats for offensive alignment. So the number one stat that a lot of people look at is sacks. So as a lineman, you want to go out there and that's, that's something that you don't want to have sacks. So, you know, you, you go out there and that's what you try to prevent. The guys getting sacked because sacks can be uh, cha- can change the game. And for me personally, I, I have some great guys to watch once I came to the league. I think it, with all offensive linemen, you got to have guys and watch guys that have done it before and watch those guys. I had Anthony Munoz, uh, I had uh, Orlando Pace, I had Tony Baselli, I had Jonathan Ogden, I had Willie Rowe. I had guys that had had done it at a very high level. So when I got in the league, it was easy for me to watch those guys and kind of see what they were doing every week. And these guys was you know, uh, locking these guys out to prevent these guys from sacks. So I knew, hey, for me to get my name out there, that's how consistently I have to play. So that's what I used to do. I was to go out and play consistently and try to dominate the guy that's in front of me. And, and and every year, I just try to do it better and better. And, you know, I was blessed to, like you say, I was blessed to be able to, to stay with one team, to be on a one coach for 10 years. So the offense didn't change for me. So it made it pretty easy to come in and and get back to what you left off at and try to get better. Being as somebody that was able to stay with one team for so long and now, of course, living in Seattle and being in the media in Seattle, how special to you is that city? Oh, it's very special for me. I've been here now for, what, 22 years. I call Seattle my home now. Uh, uh, my kids are, are was born here. They call Seattle their home, so it's, it's pretty awesome. And I think it's pretty cool for the kids, too, kind of like, you know, hey, my dad played here. And, and you get a chance to meet the, the younger fans or the older fans, people that – they kind of grew up with you when you first got picked and to see your career throughout and then see that you ended with, to, to, with getting in the Hall of Fame. So I think it's pretty cool. So anytime I get a chance to get out and meet people or meet fans, it's pretty cool, you know, and they show their respect. And I, I always uh, take my hat off to the fans because you wouldn't be here without the fans. So anytime I get a chance to meet a Seahawks fan, I give them love and I try to take pictures with them because they, they are the, the true people that, that make – uh, this team, what it is. Have you ever thought about entering some world's strongest man competitions? Because when you Google your name and and you go on YouTube, there's just clips of you just trucking guys, uh, sending them back to to another universe. You know, blocking for Sean Alexander and and, and all these guys. I mean, th- there was a running gag back in the day when I used to play Madden in the early days on like message boards before there was a thing called social media, and people would joke that oh, you know, Walter Jones you know pushes SUVs for fun. H- have you ever thought about putting that strength uh, to to another use uh, other than football, or did you at any point in time? No, not at all, man. I think I was doing that uh, perfectly for football, and I think that's the only place that it would work. Uh, I tell people all the time his body is big, but it's fragile. I played a long time, um, and I put a lot into the game of football. So I never thought about it as being something that was stronger because what those guys do is pretty amazing, and and that's a, that's a whole different type of training. So I would never try to say that I'm stronger as those guys, but – it never crossed my mind. I was doing, you know, I, I 
when I played ball, I considered it my job. So I, I knew what I had to do to prepare myself to get ready to play uh, a, a 16 game season. So that was one thing that I did, and it definitely helped me out. You know, when you when you got in those big games, when you had to shut guys out. Seahawks, Steelers, probably the the worst officiated Super Bowl in in history. Is it weird for you to see that all these years later, the NFL is still having officiating issues, especially with like the Saints and the Rams? I think it's just part of the game, man. It's, 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 you're putting the game into guys that you know sometimes they make mistakes. It's the human element that guys make mistakes, and you know as I think about it now with the Steelers with the Super Bowl, I, I tell people all the time. I said that uh, we was the number one seed and. We didn't play like a number one seed. The team that we had, we went on an 11-game winning streak. We went through the playoffs, and we got in that that one game. And I think that's what makes the NFL so fun, that you never know what's going to happen in, in any other game. So we, as a, as a team, didn't play our best football. No matter how many calls was not called our way, we didn't we didn't make the plays that we had. We were accustomed to making to, to help us win that game. Because if you're, you're playing perfect football, or you're going out there putting everything out on the line, you know, the referees can't make calls. So I think for me, that's the way that, you know, I finally have got over that we didn't play our best football because we was playing some pretty good football until we got to that Super Bowl. This might be a loaded question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you could pick, if you started out your career again and you could pick only one option, Hall of Fame career or Super Bowl ring, what would you pick? I would go with the Super Bowl ring. I think it's all, all of us, I think that's what we play, we play this game for. Uh, we play it for her to, to 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 be part of a team that win it all, uh, and 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 that sucks that uh, we didn't get a chance to to bring it. You know, I the, the weirdest thing is that I got into the Hall of Fame the same year that the Seahawks won their first Super Bowl, so it's kind of like a, a bittersweet kind of moment because you know I was the part of the team that got us there, but we did finish the finish the game. So I take my hat off to those guys to to bring that that trophy back to Seattle. But, you know, if I had a chance to – because you can never take that back. You can't take the Hall of Fame back either, but I think of being part of a, a Super Bowl winning team, you have that connection for the rest of your life. The reality is, too, you guys back then, I feel like but you established a winning culture. Uh, definitely. I think you take the hat off and go back to, to having a great offensive line. I said that group of guys that we had, Steve Hutchinson, Robbie Toback, Chris Gray, uh, Sean Locklear, we definitely came together as a unit. I, I guarantee you, if you look at all the Super Bowl wins that all these teams have had, uh, they had a great offensive line, a well-connected offensive line. So to this day, we get together, and it seems like we have never – we haven't missed a beat. You know, we can get together, we can talk, and have a great time. And I think that's what – like you say, that's why I say that's why you, 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 you would give up everything for a Super Bowl win because – you never forget that no matter how, how long you haven't played, because I could, I could go to the Hall of Fame and go to Ken, and you can see guys hanging out and talking, guys that haven't played in 20 years. But if they won together, they act like they had never uh, missed a beat. So I think that's something that you can never take away from uh, uh, pro players, that you, you build a bond that you can never you can never lose. Robbie Tobeck, I've had him on the show before. Uh, he's said on record, the two greatest athletes he ever played against or, or with were Deion Sanders and yourself. What does that mean to you to hear that? That means a lot, man. I think that you show that you, the way that you uh, you approach uh, this game, the way I approached it, I went out and did my job. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't all about trying to be in front of the TV or uh, in front of the cameras. I wanted to go out there and and, and fight with my guys. I think coming in, the, the years that I came into the game, that was all about respect and going out there and proving it. You know, it wasn't about 
once you get drafted, you was proven. No, you had to get drafted. Then go out there and prove it with a lot of the older vets. So for me, I think I came in at a perfect time where the the position wasn't given to me. I had to go out there and earn it. And you earn it with a a lot of older vets that really kind of, kind of, you had to watch and you had to go out there and be in battle. So you could get that, that proof that you can play this game. Will Sean Alexander make the Hall of Fame, and should he make the Hall of Fame? Uh, I think in time he will. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough battle with ba- uh, running backs, and you know, I, I think he will. You know, and sooner or later, because the numbers that he put up, you know, he's a, he had an MVP season, was the first team to, to, to first running back to take this team to the Super Bowl. So, I just it's just a matter of time. That list is so long, but I think sooner or later he definitely will get into the Hall of Fame. What was it like when you first saw yourself in a Madden video game? <laughs> it was kind of weird, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, my kids was born when I, when, I, when I first got into the game, when I was playing the game. But when I got in the league, I was playing the game all the time. But then my kids were born, so I kind of just kind of faded away. I had twins, so I couldn't really play that much as I used to. So I kind of faded away. So I used to hear guys talking about Madden. I hear kids talking about Madden. So it was pretty cool, you know. I think that the cool thing about it, though, once you're done, and then you, you get these, these games to call you and they want your likeness and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool to see that. And I think a lot of kids, when they get a chance to meet you up close, they let you know, hey, I got you on my mad team. I got you on this. So it's pretty cool the way, and, and, you know, you talk to a lot of people and they kind of got it down packed to how I played the game, how I dominated guys on the field, and they definitely put it in the video game. So that was pretty cool, you know, to, to, to be a part of that. And you always be a part of it. You know, they have these all all – all these, all these, all mad teams that they do probably like every year or so. So to be a part of that, it's a tough list. So there's some great offensive linemen out there. It's cool, and and I feel like Madden, like NBA 2K, those games when they bring in like the legends and they have like the ultimate teams and dream teams and stuff like that. Like yep. in some ways, you kind of live forever. And, 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 and that's pretty cool. You never die because you know, saying you have done so great in, in, in with this team, and and even the the old, the younger fans now that you know they still understand. The guys that did it before these guys, and they respect that. So, you know, you, you enjoy every little moment that you get a chance to, to be recognized. You enjoy it and, and, and take it one day at a time. Who was the funniest guy you played with in the Seattle Seahawks locker room? <laughs> the funniest guy? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. I had a, That was a running back. I don't know your name. His name was Reggie Brown. I thought he was pretty funny. Man, there were so many guys that were funny. You know, Robbie Toback was funny, man, in his own way. You know, um, see, Hasselback is pretty funny, too. You know, if he if he can get away with some of his jokes, he's pretty funny. So I would give it to those guys. Those guys are pretty funny. But, you know, once you when you with guys for, what, 10 hours a day, everybody would be funny because everybody got their own way of making guys laugh. People say I was funny, but I just enjoy being around those guys, and when I laugh, everybody heard me laugh. So uh, it, it was pretty awesome. You know, you think about it now. You, you know, everybody. You know, you talk to a lot of players. They always say it's the camaraderie, and I think the camaraderie is not playing football. It's just the moments in the locker room, on the plane, in the hotel room. So you miss those days when you just have fun, and you didn't have to worry about nothing else but just getting ready and playing football. You mentioned Matt Hasselbeck. I feel like he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks of his generation and a guy that was really consistent with you guys for uh, quite a long time. And, and like you, you know, helped establish you a kind of the winning foundation for the Seahawks, which led to this generation of Seahawks eventually bringing in a Super Bowl. What do you think his overall legacy is in Seattle and in the NFL? Hey, they still love they still love uh, Matt Hasselbeck. I, mean, I think what Matt Hasselbeck did, I think 
Matt Hasselbeck came from a winning culture. Okay, he had a chance to uh, watch uh, uh, Brett Favre. So I think when he came to Seattle, he had that kind of mentality. He understood the West Coast offense. Got to get the ball out quick. Dink and dunk down the field. So he was great at that. You know, and, that, and that's pretty hard for a lot of quarterbacks. But I think it, he was a great uh, move for Seattle and for Coach Hunger, a guy that understood his offense. So all he had to do was, you know, to put a, a great team in front of him. And you kind of knew that, you know, he's going to get the job done. So I think for him to come here and, and to play with Hunger was, was a pretty good move and to kind of establish him as one of the great Seahawks uh, quarterbacks. Do, do you think that some teams should maybe take that approach a little bit, like maybe get a guy that's sat behind, you know, a, a vet or a great, you know, more often? I mean, I, I get the, the Baker Mayfields and the guys like Russell Wilson that come out of college and they're immediately starting and they're great and expectations have changed. But, you know, let's face it, not everybody's Russell Wilson. You know, not everybody is, is going to be a phenom, a pro bowler, lead a team to the playoffs. Out of college, you know, you look at Pat Mahomes. His first year, he sat behind Alex Smith. Yeah, he killed it his second year, but I'm sure he learned a lot from a veteran like Alex Smith. You know, would you like to see more teams kind of allow players uh, to develop a little bit and kind of watch and learn before they're, like, thrown straight to the fire? I don't know. I think it's different now. The, the game is different than back then. You could sit guys and draft guys high and sit those guys, but now – with these owners and stuff, they they see how how quickly teams can turn it around. Now the game is so imperative that now you can turn teams around just over one year. Uh, you look at what the Rams did, uh, what we did. You know things are happening so fast, so teams really and ownership and organization don't have don't want to wait that long. We I, I tell people all the time, it's like a microwave. We want it right now. So we, people want to see change now. They don't want to. You know, when I came to the league, even though I was a first-round draft pick, uh, number six overall, you know, the, the, the thing about me, they said it'll take about three years before he figured it out. And it was probably about three and a half years or four years before I figured out how to be, you know, a consistent offensive lineman. So I totally understand that. But nowadays, you bring guys in in the first round, you want them to come in and play and and, 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 and make a difference. And and that's just the way, that's the way it is. It, it'll probably recycle itself, but – that's just the way it is. You have a few teams that does that, but you know, it all about depends on what kind of quarterbacks you got in front of you that you can sit and watch and learn. What's the biggest misconception of being a lineman? Uh, that we're big eaters. Uh, I have, I have I, a lot of people think that we just eat, eat, eat. We don't. We eat, we eat. I think me personally, I'm more of a, a, a muncher. I like to eat throughout the day. But a lot of the misconception is people think that we are big eaters and we're not. Uh, we like to eat, but. We don't have to have the whole kitchen or a full plate. You know, you go, to, you go. I go to my family's and eat, or go to a friend's house and they fix your plate, and it's just like a freaking like you're eating at a buffet or something. Like they, they, they miss the screw thinking that we're big eaters and we're really not. I don't yeah. know if they could take the football, but I'm, <laughs> that's one of the that's not, that's like one of the one things I deal with nowadays that people assume that oh he's a llama he eat a lot of food and I really don't I eat but you know I'm more of a snacker I eat throughout the day not where I'm just wait to the last and eat everything in the kitchen. No, I don't do that. Right, and nothing about that question. You know, another misconception I feel like with linemen is like, not, not saying that, that you're not, you guys aren't perceived as, as smart, but you know, sometimes you know, it's always like the focus on the quarterback or the focus is, is oh. on the coach and the defense and everything else. But you know, based on a lot of players I've talked to who've played the game and coached the game and everything, I mean, offensive linemen are some of the smartest guys, if not the smartest guys on the field. Can you explain that a little bit? Hey, 
Hey, man, it has to because you don't understand all the stuff that you're going to deal with before you, you know, you have to hear the play. You have to know, okay, they give you, you steady this defense, but they give you this defense. So you have to make the check. So you got to do all this at a 25 minute, a 25 second clock. So, yes, we definitely have to be able to know what's going on, make a decision, and then make it happen. You can't make a mistake. So, yes, do, totally on that. And then you have to understand everything the quarterback is doing, you know, like, you have to know if he make a check. Why is he making a check? Because he see the safety coming down. So for me personally, I tell people all the time, when I got in the league, I just play with blinders. On my first two years in the league, all I do is block in. I didn't care what the, the tackle on the other side or the guard. I didn't care what they was doing. They just thought, I just didn't understand. You know, I, you know, you think all you do is just come off the ball and block the guy in front of you. But, you know, in my third, fourth year, I could see the whole field. I could even see what was going on over at the, the right tackle. I could see the safety coming down. So, you know, I, I can see the whole field. I can know why he checked it. So I think as as, as, as linemen, we just have to know everything. We have to see movement. We have to see uh, different alignments. And then does the play change? And all the quarterback says is one word. And now that play has changed. And now we got to run it. In a five-second interval, you got to be able to run that play and, and be successful at it. It's like the old saying, you know, the greats make it look easy. You know, but when you're actually yep. in there, I mean, it's, you know, it's a hell of a lot harder. <laughs> Oh, definitely, man. It's so hard, man. I tell you, man, it's, you know, a lot of times people ask you, like, who's who's the guy you did? So I'm like, man, everybody, because once your name get out there, you know, guys want to beat you. Guys want to get sacks on you. So, yeah, you have to go out there and stay focused the entire game. And, and nine times out of ten, when one of the greats give up a sack, it'd be that guy probably got on the focus or something that he did. It's never, mostly never what the guy did. It's always sometimes what the llama do. And if you, if you, if you stay focused and, and stay with what you know, it's it's pretty hard to to get beat by guys, and I, I can't let you go without talking about your late great teammate Cortez Kennedy, defensive tackle, played his entire career with the Seattle Seahawks. Following his uh, untimely passing, you made a positive impact not only keeping his memory alive, but establishing uh, what you've called the '96 check. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Oh yeah, man. I I, I you know I give everything to Tez, man. You know when I came to the league, Tez was that veteran guy that kind of showed me the way. You know, he was basically when I came here. He was the team, you know, if you didn't know Cortez Kennedy, you didn't know the Seahawks. So from that standpoint, and he was tough on me my first couple of years. Cause, you know, I came in the league when it was all about guys wanting to see you in the fire, you know, see when times get tough. And then you go out there and prove yourself. Then those veteran guys will start letting you hang out with them and you start having conversations and stuff. And they kind of take you under, your, under, under their wings, man. So Tiz definitely did that for me. And I tried to live – my 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 pro career the same way, you know, trying to get to know everybody. Tez was great at uh, letting people, you know, understand and be nice to the people upstairs. A lot of times those places are divided. Like you've got the management, then you've got us. And you never kind of connect with those people. And Tez definitely knew everybody. So I tried to make it my business to, to, to know those people and, and get to know those people, let them know that, hey, they're part of the, our success too, the things that they do too. So Tez was great at that. So on his untimely death, man, it was tough on me. It was hard because it seemed like it just I just couldn't imagine it, you know. Um, and, and, it, and it's tough for, for Fred. But, you know, the thing about Tez, what he always used to do during the offseason was he would call you out the blue randomly, you know, just call you and check on you, check on your family. He was great at doing that kind of stuff. So once he passed, I think that was the number one thing that stuck with me. So I decided to do that. So every year on his birthday, uh I do uh, 96 checks. So his birthday is September the ni- September the 6th. I want to say the 96. I don't think I'm saying that right. I think it's right. It was just September. So what I do is an initiative where 
I uh, want, want players to to call people. And a lot of times we get so busy in our life that we don't check on people, or we're talking on the phone so much we don't ask people how they do it. Uh, we always it's always business like. So I try to tell people to always check on people, people that you play with, check on your parents, check on your friends that you went to high school with, people that you haven't talked to in a long time that you know you're not calling for them. You just saying hey, I'm just calling to check on you. So. That's how I started the 96 Check Initiative. That's that's great stuff, and you know, de- you're definitely honoring mm-hmm. his legacy by doing that and encouraging other players and people to do that. Before I let you go, man, I really do appreciate the time. Where can fans find you online? Where can they find you on TV in Seattle and on radio, I guess? And tell us a little bit about your clothing line and everything else you got going on in 2019. Oh, definitely, man. I tell you what, man, you can you can try. I do a a, a post game show. On King Five, that's a, the uh, NBC station here. It's called the Fifth Quarter. It's with uh, Paul Civy. Uh, if, you, if you're from Seattle, you know the, the local stations here. Uh, anywhere you can find it on King Five station. It's called the Fifth Quarter. It's every Sunday night after Sunday night football uh, in the in the local areas of Seattle. Uh, I do a radio show uh, what three times a week. I do two uh, call-ins. Uh, that's a, what on uh, nine fifty KJR here AM. 950 KJR. Uh, I do one on a, a Monday. I think the Monday, Tuesday, and I do a Thursday in studio where it's called In the Trenches. So uh, that's something that I do every every Thursday throughout, throughout the season. Uh, you can check me out. I have a, a, a clothesline. Uh, it's called The Best to Ever Do It. Uh, it's called B2EDI. Uh, the Best to Ever Do It. You can check out my website at uh, The Best to Ever Do It, uh, B2EDI.com. Where you can find, I have hats, I have T-shirts, I have hoodies. I'm working on a whole lot of stuff for the for the season, upcoming season. So check me out, call, come out and try to support me. Or go to the website and support my brand. Uh, like I say, it's something that is feel good clothes. Where you know you, you you putting on something that you feel good when you go out and say, I want to be the best today. So I want to rock big wall stuff. 